Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And for this episode, we are once again going to share some scaredy stories. Fuck you, Damo. Hey, oh, so soon. Love you, Tom. We're in this together. <laughs> we are in this together. <laughs> Nothing will tear us apart. No. I'm willing to be torn apart. Okay, well, good. <laughs> you know what will tear us apart? Good stuff. Okay. Love. Love will tear, love us, will apart. tear us apart. Great right. song. What a good song. It always does. Hey, mm. how about instead of telling scaredy stories, yep. just listen to that song instead. We sing each other right. songs. Okay, yeah. it's playing right now. Yeah. Mm. Bask in it. Enjoy it. All right, that's enough because we're going to get sued if we play too much. Oh, no. We're going to play two and a half (laughs) seconds of it. So, scary stories. Let's do it. So, yeah, it's been a while. We we did one, like, way at the start of this year. And, yeah, it's been a while since we've done one. We still have, like, quite a few banked now from listeners very generously sending in their scary stories. I say generously. Does it feel generous to you too? <sighs> no. But I love them for love doing it for it and yeah. for engaging. It's it is very nice, but Can also I... unkind. Before we do their scary stories, yeah. I'm going to share with the listeners a scary story of my own, a little update Ooh, if you will. Yes, okay. Uh, because I don't well, know if people well who listen to the show would know that my two friends, Damo and Sean, talk about generous. I mean, come on. Ruined my life. Bought the curse painting. So waiting for a thank you. So I have an update. Is the update a thank you? Is the update a thank you? Finally. Because you're getting to the point now where it kind of needs to be a card, like a thank you card. Mm. I'll send you a card. Maybe yeah. put some money in that card. Bit of money too. Yeah. I'll, I'll put something in that card. Yeah. Can you, can you still buy anthrax? <laughs> oh, fuck it. Can you buy that on Amazon? Yeah, I thought it was going to be like dog shit or something. Yeah, he went straight well, to anthrax. Human shit. Yeah. A tear from a crying boy. It's just a letter that's got like drops of water oh, on it. That like, would actually be awful. Yeah, well, that, would be bad. That. that would be bad. Now I know what to expect. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Either anthrax. <laughs> anthrax, shit, or tears. <laughs> or option D. All of the above. I oh, know. Uh, just an I'm update. I'm going to blow up my mailbox. No more mail for me. Send me an email if you want to. I'll send you an email with anthrax in it. I'll figure out a way. If they can do fucking Bitcoin, they can do bit anthrax. I just see an email that says anthrax. anthrax. You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> What's the code in Monsters Inc.? 3319. The doors get kicked in. So, yes, we've hung the, the crying boy. Well I'll, done. I'll put an update on Instagram at some point. Where'd too. you hang it? In the toilet, Sean. Yep. Where it belongs. What was the rationale behind the choice? Um, wall space. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Right. Yep. G- genuinely wall space. Yeah. Like, Did the my suggestion of over the bed get a conversation? Well, there's already one there, and that one, the wood of that one matches the wood of the bed better. Okay. It would have been psycho if you hung it above your bed. Oh, it would have been. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to sleep. Yeah. Now I can't piss. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's in the bathroom and in the toilet, and my partner hung it up, and then just, just for no reason at all, we're sitting there, we're playing some Fortnite, and we hear... This big crash bang. We're like, what the fuck have the cats done? And then we look. I love it. And both of the cats are at the end of the couch asleep. Yep. And we're like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. And Amanda goes, I think I know what it was. Oh. We go in <laughs> and the crying boy is face down on the floor of the toilet. Yeah. It has fallen off the wall. The hook is still on the wall. Yeah. Yep. The frame is, you boys have held that frame. It is very light. Yes. It's yeah, got it a string at the back. It's not like hanging off a flint. It's on a string. String hadn't broken. String hadn't broken. No, string's well, intact. Well fixed. Nothing yeah. is damaged, but it's just fallen off the For wall. No reason. I don't really know how this can happen. No. Did, was, did it get hung crooked? And it, 
might have slipped and then the weight just slid it off, perhaps. I or? don't know, man. We've we've rehung it and it's still no up there problem now. since. No problem since. He was just testing the waters. Yeah, I'd love it if it's just like a, a haunted object that makes you lose time. So you're standing there pissing, and all of a sudden you blink, you open your eyes, and you're facing the other way, just pissing <laughs> against the door. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did I get here? Just, I'm, I'm pissing. I blink. I open my eyes. I'm just in the middle of Chadston, <laughs> pissing. <laughs> Dick out. How did I get here? Did I, and my my feet are bleeding because I walked. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell, crying boy, man. Oh, that's bad, man. If yeah. I ever call you and I'm in tears and I'm in Chadston, yeah. you've got to yeah. pick me up. Yeah, You won't even have to say what it is. I'll just know. Yeah. yeah. You're like, yeah. He's a Chadston. Yeah. <laughs> you also had a second crying boy update, but not your crying boy. No. So oh, yes. another crying boy update. My partner sent me a video of a new restaurant that's opened in Carlton that's supposed to be designed after like a nonna's kitchen mm-hmm. dining room. It's got yeah. a, like, you know, all the tables have like nice tablecloths with like plastic over the top, big gaudy chandeliers and a lot of art. Mm. And one of those pieces of art was the crying boy. Was the exact crying same boy, crying yeah. boy. Amazing. Your crying boy. Maybe it's the same one. Maybe he exists in two places at once. Could. Yes. Night shift. Well, that means he's not at my house at night, which is good. That's mm. all right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it's messed up. Shame he has to get a part yeah, job. Did, did you know someone who had a crying girl? Yeah, so I'm get the name so I can. And a few people did message us as well saying like, you know, oh, my mum had one of these growing up and that sort of thing. Yeah, oh. very cool to hear. Did I tell you that update? Go on. So Amanda sent it to her mum. That's right, you did, yeah. Uh, hey, we got this. It's a cursed painting. And Amanda's mum went, I had that exact one in my room growing up as a kid. I loved it. Loved it. She loved it. Wow. Yeah. That's the energy. Yeah. Maybe re-gift. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Shane on Instagram sent us uh, one. He found one, at, I think it was Camberwell Market. So that's oh. in Melbourne. And it's Crying Girl. And yep. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, Crying Girl. No, it generally is like looks like the same. I didn't know he did Crying Girl, but it looks yep. like the same Probably artist. The same artist yeah. yeah, yeah. Same frame, it looks like. Same sort of haunting. Did he buy it? Uh, I don't think he did. Mm. Shane, if he did, let us know. Should have bought it, Shane. Otherwise, it's there waiting for us. It could be a great collection for Tom. Should have done the right thing and copped the curse yourself to spare an innocent life. Well, Tom loves his Pokemon. He's got to catch them all, you know yeah, what I'm saying? I've got to say, Shane did the exact right thing. Yeah, he, he did. walked yeah, away. Left it, yeah, left well it. Done. Send yeah, a little not, cheeky not like photo. Not idiots who yeah. have paid money for it. We're not idiots. You seem to think the paying of the money means we're cursed. I disagree. Damo was smart. He paid in cash. There's no paper trail. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> there is a trail. There's not. You, did you give him cash? There's a trail of tears. Uh, I transferred him some cash, mm. but didn't say for crying boy. What did you say it was for? Oh, I gave it a different code name that Damo and a little inside joke between us. Yeah, the grower. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything, though. The crying boy knows. Does he? If he does, do with that information what you will. For him to get powerful, he's got to act through you first. So you're going to cop it before. I, I also finish. think when a, when an act is committed through friendship, there's no curse. I think so too. There was yeah. love behind that. Um, exactly. Behind that gift. Amanda yeah. recently called us her two uncles. Yes. She said, what is it? Like your boyfriend's friends are like your uncles? Yep. Yep. And we're like, yeah. I don't know if she meant like her uncles or just like they just have uncle energy. Uncle energy. energy. Oh, yeah. Either way. You've yeah. both got uncle energy. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are. We're all, we're all, this is, a, this is a podcast of uncles. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Scaredy uncles. Um, speaking of scaredy, let's, uh, let's jump into these stories. Yeah. Let's wrap yeah. it up, I reckon. That was a good story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's enough. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll come back next month a with nice some other appetizer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's we'll move into the main course. Fantastic. So the first one comes oh. Oh, from on. Mitch, who says he loves the podcast. And so wanted to throw some spooky shitty experience into the ring to help right now. Loves the Mitch, podcast. If you yeah. if you loved it, you wouldn't hurt us like yes. this. <laughs> Mitch, you're a bastard. <laughs> so uh Mitch says he wants to be clear. He has had no direct supernatural experiences, which I'll let you boys decide that for yourself. But he has experienced some weird things that have creeped him out. Mitch also starts by saying he moved to the handsome man's hometown of Geelong for Ooh. university around 10 years ago. Geelong is haunted. Yeah, it's got an old prison in it. Yep. But there was another, wasn't that dance studio or something? Yeah, mm. that was in the old prison. Oh, oh, same building. Yeah, same building. Shit, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. And is that the same abandoned one that you've talked about people used to go to? Yeah. So it's all the same place. Yeah, it's all one oh, I thought you were always telling me about different places in Geelong. And no, I was no, like, no, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yes, there's also an abandoned paper mill. Paper mill, there you go. Yeah. Fucking Which paper. I think is about a paper mill. Apartments. Right. Oh. There's also that doll. Oh, boy. <laughs> Remember that doll I showed you guys a yeah, while ago? Yeah, that was Geelong. That was from it? Geelong. Yeah. 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 Geelong has the biggest sexy land. Yep. That yep. counters the, whole, the scares, though. It does. It's, yeah. it's, my town is Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Equal parts horn and horror. So Mitch says that over his time in Geelong, he's moved through a lot of rentals. Some creepy, some not. 
Yeah, he right. is going to tell us about the creepy ones. I actually, I, I get scared by it, but I like hearing about creepy rental stories. Mm, okay. I do. Is that because they're they're ultimately a fixed term thing? You're going to move well, out? Yeah, I like to hear if it is just latched onto the person or latched onto the property. Right. So yes. moving out yeah. saves you. All right. Yeah. Like you'll remember the original thing we talked about was the crawling man. Yeah. Seems to be attached to the person because it happened at multiple places. Right. Much yeah. worse. Much, much, much worse. Much yeah. Because yeah. the idea that you can just, you can leave. Yep. Is a beautiful, beautiful thing that you can do. Yes. And if you can't, that's over. Sorry, mate. You're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So through these five rentals, Mitch says that he learned the difference between the general sense of fear because you kind of get caught up in your own fears and the overwhelming sense of existential dread when your body screams danger at you. So when he moved into his fourth rental property, Mitch says it was the most scary place he'd ever lived. The property was on the edge of Geelong near the CSIRO headquarters. So you could see the lights and hear helicopters coming on a few nights per week. Before they moved in, he offered his roommate most of the second story of the house for, for the roommate, while Mitch, Mitch and his partner took the downstairs area. So Mitch says his roommate was thrilled at this idea. But Mitch is a doc, because he says, little did he know when he first inspected the property, Mitch got really bad vibes from the top floor. Mitch is a dog. Mitch is a bit of a dog. I'll allow it. Okay. Yeah, you would canine carny. I'm <laughs> loyal. So Mitch says, turns out that this was actually a good move on his behalf because the stair area consisted of three rooms, one office for his roommate, one for himself and his roommate's bedroom. It also had a bathroom, a separate toilet and two long but cramped sort of storage areas across from two of the rooms. These rooms were connected by a very tight hallway. And so upon moving in, they noticed a covered over and latched hole on the storage area across from the roommate's bedroom. They opened it and saw a small nook where the water heater was along with two extremely dirty children's mattresses. Oh, God. So Mitch says they closed it up pretty fast. I wouldn't have opened it. Well, that was a mistake, yeah, for sure. Uh, His roommate then noted that there was also a small crawl space in a closet in his bedroom that led to that area. Horrendous. Move out of Geelong. Not good. No. No. Go to Sexyland, clear the vibes out a little bit. God, you have to buy so many dildos to clear that out. (laughs) Tom winked at me, and I appreciate it. <laughs> so Mitch says anytime he was upstairs, he felt this overwhelming feeling of dread and fear, which would not subside until he got to the bottom of the stairs. Mitch's partner thought she would smudge the property with sage, as she had done this in all of their houses before. Have you heard this, smudge? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. walk around a little sage. Okay. Like bundle of sage. Smudge, though. Like, to me, yeah, it's burning. You kind of just shake it as you walk. Yeah, that's is, that, is that that's smudge? smudge? But it's called, that's smudging. Yeah. Okay. I've not heard this When before. I hear smudging, I think she's like rubbing it into the wall. Right, right. Maybe a bit of that, but yeah. Yeah, why not? Okay. Cool. Uh, Have you done that before? Sorry? Have you done it, Tom? I probably should now. <laughs> so apparently she got through most of the house, but when she got to the roommate's bedroom, she sat, she felt such a malevolent evil force push back against her yeah. that she decided to run out of the house. Also, he says when the rental was finally being sold, apparently the real estate agent also refused to go upstairs because it felt, quote, incredibly creepy. Whoa, okay. You dogged your house, mate. <laughs> and again, this is like a third party uh, confirming the fear factor yeah, here. That yeah, that is fucked. Yeah. Still sold it though, real estate agent, real dog. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. Well, what are you going to do, mate? It's in the blood. This economy. <laughs> so after that experience, Mitch and his partner decided they were ready and going to buy their own place. So he had one requirement, which was that it should not be haunted. Sure. Great requirement. Want to be able to walk through and not feel a malevolent force. Exactly. <laughs> uh, does the malevolent force cost extra? Or- <laughs> <laughs> so they found a place and during the inspection, he says it passed the vibe test. Fantastic. He's getting some good vibes off this thing. They put an offer. Got it. Congratulations, Mitch and his partner. Unfortunately, turns out the vibes were way off. Once his partner and he started moving the furniture, they realized pretty quickly that there was a creepy feeling down one of the back bedrooms. So his partner again decides to smudge the house, and Mitch says this time it was more successful. But she informed him that the spirit wasn't very keen to leave, but that it was more neutral, not quite as malevolent as the one in the previous house. And Mitch also says to add some fun to the situation, his partner decided to name the spirit Stanley. Don't name him. Yeah, I don't know about that, but anyway, good on him. Uh, Mitch says he didn't find out until much later that she always imagined Stanley as a tall man with a horrific, unnatural grin plastered across his face. Why? I can't begin to tell you. Stanley is like, I think Stanley, cute old man. Mm. He's wearing wearing sweaters day and night. Stanley Tucci. Right, you've got the Tooch over there. Stanley, some pride to the Stanley name. Stanley Yelnats the fourth. Flat Stanley, adorable little man. Mitch, he could there post are himself. Plenty of fish in the sea. My friend. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, the smudging powers are important. I think having yeah. someone who knows how to smudge—that's true. Well, turns out Mitch had his own way of dealing with the situation. So he says, over this move period, Mitch was 
you know, understandably incredibly freaked out anytime he was there, whether it was day or night, but decided that he just had to accept he'd spent all his money on a haunted house. I've sympathised so much with people who get into these situations. Yeah, it's real, real tough. Every time I see it happen in a movie, we hear about it in an email. It's it's horrible. You like, yeah, because yeah, sometimes You've you watch, sometimes watch a horror movie and it's like just leave, and it's mm. like financially they can't. It's not that easy. It's yeah. just not that easy. Just yeah. pack up and and leave. You can't. Right. You can't do it. Uh, I hate yeah. It. I hate so this. Mitch asked himself, "WWPD, what would Paddington do? Mm. He'd become friends with Stanley." He says the answer: manners. He would have good manners. So every time Mitch would go to the house, he would say hello to Stanley. He would say goodbye when he was leaving and he would chat to him about how well he was going to take care of this house. Amazing. And Mitch says that after a few weeks of this, he walked into the house and felt nothing. Stanley was gone. This is what you've got to do with that fucking painting, Tom. That's what i got to do. I-, I say hello to him. You've got to kiss him every time you piss. Yeah. Piss and kiss. Piss, piss and kiss. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Just say, man, I'm going for a quick piss and kiss. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll see, like, when you drive past a primary school, they have the drop-off zones with parents, and yeah. sometimes they call them the kiss and go. Kiss and go. Oh, yeah. do they? Yours is the kiss, kiss and piss. Yeah, kiss and piss. Piss and kiss, I think, yeah. in that order. Yeah. <laughs> so Mitch says he went back. Uh, so they are currently still, they were still moving in. So he goes back to the temporary rental, and he's like, he's excited to tell his partner. But she told him that Stanley was gone before he could say anything. Okay. She just knew. Fucking hell, all right. Oh, so shit. Yeah. Mitch said he hadn't had a supernatural experience. That's what he said. Well, right? I love this. Mitch, yeah. you're a fucking idiot. You've had, like, seven. <laughs> So, yeah, fear, the dread, all of it's gone. And Mitch says he strongly believes that it's due to his good manners that Stanley was kindly able to fuck off. Manners maketh man. I really like this. This is sort of like the similar thing that Marta was sort of telling yep. us about the crime board yeah. painting. Yeah, you make your peace with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's powerful There's some stuff. power there. Yeah. So, despite this seeming like the end of his supernatural experiences, Mitch does have one more experience in his home. This is a boy who's like, I have had not a single supernatural experience <laughs> Here are several. Let me rally off a whole list Mitch, for you. Learn to like comprehend words. <laughs> so one night he was tucking his partner into bed and they were having a chat when they both heard this loud thumping footsteps in the kitchen. So Mitch thought he was maybe just hearing things, but then his partner asked him if if he'd heard the footsteps in the kitchen. Mitch decided, okay, there's something here. So what he did was check the front camera to see if their roommate was home, but in so doing he realized, no, 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 the roommate's at work. And that's when they both started to freak out. They sort of got up and swept the house to search for anyone. So Mitch says that all the doors were locked. The roommate, yep, definitely was not home and they couldn't find anything. So they were getting freaked out. They definitely both heard the same thing in the same location at the same time, meaning that it had that oh-so-important second-person verification. Mitch says given that they couldn't find anything, they're just like, well, what can we do? So his partner goes back to bed. He went into the lounge and Mitch was expecting their cat to come and find him at this point. That's sort of the usual nighttime routine. But no, the cat didn't come up. And so he decided to search for it, but couldn't find the cat in the house. So after calling for maybe like five minutes or so, he finally went up to their bedroom. And that turns out that's where the cat was because the cat came running out from under the bed. So he goes in the bedroom. He sees his partner looking pale. And she tells him this, that the cat came running out of the bed something that the cat apparently only does when she knows someone is in the house and someone she specifically doesn't know is in the house. So Mitch says not only do they have two-person verification, but is also triple verified by an impartial person. Cat verified. Cat verified. So Mitch finishes by saying they haven't had any further instances, but he remains worried that someone might be living in their roof (laughs) given this experience, but that he's too much of a scaredy boy to check. (sighs) Was that email signed off by like, I am a human and my name's definitely Mitch? <laughs> Actually, it was signed. Mitch signs off by saying, love you guys. Hopefully you hear from me again in the future. Oh, we never will. No. <laughs> Mitch, it's nice knowing you. Should we go yeah. check the roof? No. Oh, God, no. Okay. Sean, if I don't know, I, I have don't know. Th- That's a little 30-second business idea. It's yeah, gone That's now. a 30. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Time the clock's running out on that one. Yep. All right. Next one comes from Jack. And Jack says, hey, lads, loves the podcast. And as a fellow scaredy boy, he takes comfort in knowing he's not alone when he listens to the show. That's perfect. That's literally what we're all about. It's why we do what we do. But that being said, he's got a little story for us. Mm, of course he fucking does. Rude. Rude. That's the whole point of this fucking <laughs> show, isn't it? <laughs> scaredy stories. He's fucking got us. They get us with the, they say something beautiful and you're like, oh, that's so touching. That's like, that's amazing. And yep. then here's some speaks. So Jack grew up in the northeast of England. <sighs> Taking my glasses off. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I can't bear to look at the world, but you're hearing this. I'm just going to look at fuzz. Okay. Uh, in a former coal mining pit village. Oh, fuck off. That is fucked. Yeah, I know. Mm. So Jack says he had a very comfortable childhood, surrounded by a great family and friends, and generally speaking, had no traumatic experiences except for one. 
So to set the scene, Jack tells that the house he grew up in was built a year or two before he was born. And at the time of this event, he was towards the end of primary school. So maybe around nine or 10 years old. So Jack says you'd be forgiven for thinking that there's no way anything creepy can happen in a relatively new house, but that you'd be wrong. So the house he lived in was fairly modest and his bedroom in particular was the smallest room in the house. He was tucked in the corner of the first floor with the door leading straight onto the landing where the stairs were. Because his room was so tiny, Jack slept on a tall bunk bed so there was space, uh, there was floor space underneath for a desk. Jack also says his dad would work pretty early morning work shifts and so he would leave the house around four or five in the morning. And so every morning in their house before school, it was just Jack, his younger sisters and his mum in the house. Typically, the routine went that around 7am, his mum would walk into his room, tell Jack that it was time to wake up and get ready for school. However, on one particular morning, he had a very different experience. It was later in the year, he says, around autumn or getting into winter. And so naturally, in the UK, Jack's bedroom was very dark at this time of the morning. Bad October. Bad, bad Halloween. Halloween vibes cooking. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Uh, he'd waken up for a minute or so when he heard his dad leave for work and then pretty quickly fell back asleep. Jack says some time must have passed before he was awoken again by the sound of movement in the house. But Jack says this too is also pretty typical, as his mum would wake up before all the kids to get ready for work. And then through the tiny gap in his bedroom door, Jack could see the light turn on in the landing by the stairs. So he assumes the light coming on outside his bedroom, of course, mum getting up to come in. She's going to come in soon and wake him up for school. So Jack's lying there just watching the door, waiting for mum. And sure enough, the door does open. But to his absolute horror, in the doorway, backlit by the light bulb behind it, is a dark hooded figure. And so Jack says again, because his bedroom was so small, that this figure must have been standing roughly one to two metres from where he was lying. So he's watching, frozen in fear, as the hooded figure takes one single step into his bedroom, gaze fixed on Jack. Although Jack does admit he couldn't see the eyes because the hood meant that the face was just really covered in darkness. Sure. Jack says it stood there and made no noise, just quietly stared at him. And then, out of nowhere, it toppled and fell over to the side and out of view, somewhere beneath his quite tall bunk bed. So at this point, Jack says he was absolutely shitting his knickers, knowing that something was lying on the floor of his bedroom right beside him. And he says his eyes were pinned open, looking in the direction of the door in case it stood back up, but that he was too terrified to peek over the edge of the bunk bed to see it, see if it was on his bedroom floor. Because what if it was just there? Hello, Jackie boy. What if, yeah. (laughs) How old's Jacko? He's about 10, I think it was at this time, yeah. So, now Jack says, you may want to say this is just a bad dream, and that typically he would agree and chalk it up to something more logical. But he says his eyes remained open for around another hour as he just lay there waiting, scared, and that he remembers realising it wasn't all a dream when his mum walked out of the bedroom and he watched as she stopped into confusion as to why the light was already turned on, as his dad usually made a point of being pretty stealthy, turning all the lights off before he went to work. So Jack's mum walks into his bedroom, tells him it's time to wake up for school, and without having reacted in any kind of further way, he finally got the courage to look over the bed to look at the floor, and of course, there was nothing there. Toppling. Jack says this event had scared him so badly that it's burned into his mind. He says he'd never mentioned to his parents, and still hasn't nearly 13 years later, and that he's never seen the hooded figure again. But, <laughs> fast forward years later, when he was maybe 14 or so, when he was left at home alone one day, So at this point, he's in a different bedroom of the house, and one of his younger sisters has moved into his old bedroom. She herself was around 9 or 10 at the time, which is of the same age he'd had his experience. And so Jack spent the whole day downstairs by himself watching TV until his family returned sometime in the afternoon. Once they do, they go upstairs, and then a few minutes later, his mum, dad, and sister come back down and confront him, asking why was he up in his sister's room while they were away. Jack explains, no, he's just been watching TV, but they interrogate him further, saying, well, your sister's curtains have been moved, and one had been placed on top of the wardrobe, one was on top of the bunk bed where they usually slept, so he clearly had done something in their mind. Wait, the, the curtains had been put around the room. What the fuck? That's fucked up. So he says, after explaining to his parents that he hadn't moved them, as well as pointed out why would he even do something like that, his parents believed him, and Jack said it was the first time in his life he'd seen his parents look generally spooked, and he says it's something they'll still bring up from time to time. He also says he doesn't know whether or not what happened to him was real, but that the dread he felt was very real. And that if he ever sees the hood figure walk into his bedroom again, he would, without a shadow of a doubt, shit his pants. (laughs) Oh my god. (sighs) What did they do to us? (laughs) What did they do to us? (laughs) (laughs) I must also add, I have a lot of respect for people who email in. Yeah. Because for a lot of people, these are very traumatic things they're talking about. That's the thing. Like, we obviously, like, we talk about them as though we're getting freaked out and fuck you for sending this. But you're like, this happened to a person. I I genuinely probably would never sleep again. Yeah. Yeah, that is fucked up. If if something like that had ever happened to me, it's deep, deep within my egg. It's in the egg. Yeah. 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 
So yeah. much respect for anyone sh- who, who wants to share this stuff with us. It's exactly. I, and I like how crazy. Jack says, you know, whether it's real or not, the the experience of his fear was very real. Yeah. And it's that that stays with you more than anything else, yeah. I think. Yeah. Which, yeah, I'm glad not to have had that personally. <laughs> that is a really good point. Like whether you believe in ghosts or supernatural things or anything. Right. The one thing that is very real is the way you feel about whatever yeah. situation you're in. Yes. And yeah. then, like, again, that's what your mind- And that's what's most frightening. Latches onto. Like yeah. your mind holds onto fear more than happiness, I think, mm. because it's almost like a warning the next time. You yeah. know, it wants to try to log it as much as possible, which means, great, I have to keep yeah. this thing in my fucking oh, head, God. you know. Anyway, next one comes from Alex. This one's a bit maybe more of a nicer one for you guys. So Alex says, to get the good stuff out of the way, she calls this story Camp Phillip Island, Murderous Madness and the Mandela Effect. Unbelievable. What the fuck are you doing to us, Damo? Boys, where are we right now? I'm going to beat the shit out. (coughs) Ah, I'm sorry, I'm joking. (laughs) You woke the dog up. (laughs) (laughs) Look at him, he's rattled. He doesn't know where he is. Damo's fault. (laughs) He's very calmly stretchy. (laughs) So, the year is 2009, Alex is 10 years old and on school camp on Phillip Island. Ugh. She says she doesn't remember the name of the place anymore, but given that we spend a fair bit of time here ourselves, we're currently here, she imagines we're probably familiar with the kind of camp she's talking about, if not the exact place. I've got to find this camp. <laughs> she says they had these big multi-room dorms where groups slept and a dining area slash activity hall nearby. In her memory, it was about 20 metres from the dorms, but that kids are dumb and that her memory, memory is unreliable at best. I, love I was a fuckwit. I can't remember. <laughs> I was a dumb little shit kid, yeah. <laughs> I failed geometry. I don't know how far a meter is. <laughs> say when. Say when. Say when. Who's to say? Say when. No one knows. A meter's not curved, Tom. <laughs> it wasn't even Phillip Island. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the desert. <laughs> it was at Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah, it was Cooper Pedy. It was underground. <laughs> So Alex says at her school, there are only a handful of students. She thinks about 16 across the two year levels who are attending the camp. Wow. So her group was made up of kids in both grades four and five. So one night while they're all in the hall across the way from their rooms, preparing for some kind of nighttime activity, one of the students cried out and summoned them all to the window, insisting they'd seen someone watching them wearing a Jason mask. Fuck off. So she said, Alex says, cue a dozen or so little kids pressing their face against the glass, trying to catch a glimpse of the horror movie villain, obviously stalking a group of small children in this extremely public setting. Alex says several of them, herself included, swore hand on heart that they had saw that they saw someone wearing a Jason mask looking at them through the window. Now, Alex says there are actually several issues with her testament to this fact as a child. Primarily that she did not know who Jason was nor what his mask looked like. Okay. Okay. This is good stuff. This Remember, is good. part of the title of this story Mandela is effect. the Mandela effect. Thank mm. you. So uh, she said this was a ten year old so scared that she was afraid to even read a book chapter titled Flesh and Blood. And she says, shout out here to Australian classic Rowan of Rin for that one. I was just ready to be like, is that, is that a bit of Rowan? I fucking love Rowan. Rowan of Rin is top stuff. Emily Rodder, fucking uh, respect. She rules. She's still kicking? I hope so. I don't know. Man, those books yeah. were awesome. Nevertheless, Alex does recall <sighs> swearing that she saw the mask with her very own eyes. Okay. Yeah. In all this excitement, Alex's best friend, Liana, and her decided they desperately needed something from their room. A perilous journey that would involve them leaving the safety of the hall and running out in the open right into the murderer's clutches. A recollection of this whole thing is patchy, but they somehow made it to their room unaccosted and decided at that point to arm themselves for the journey back. Fantastic. Weaponing up. Well, this is a 10-year-old weapon. Well, Liana got aerosol can of deodorant. Yeah. And? She's thinking fire. Yes. yes, that's a kid. And Alex chose a thong. Okay. Or for America, Alex says here, a flip-flop for any horrified non-Australian yep. listeners wondering why yep. a 10-year-old is using a G-string yep. as a weapon. If you're a, uh, for, if you're a New Zealander, it's a jandal. A jandal. jandal yep. yes. Honestly, I think out of all of the names it's called, jandal's, jandal's the best. best. Jandal's yeah. up there, yeah. When I first heard jandal, it rocked my world. Yeah, you're like, yep. well, that's what I'm calling I it from loved now on. It. There's no confusion there. No, no, no. It's a singular item yeah. with a name all its own. Flip that's flop also fun to say. Like shit. Mm. Yeah, a flip flop. I don't love. It's two words. That's onomatopoeia. I don't need that for a descriptor two... of a thing. Well, but but a, a song doesn't make a flip flop sound. It makes a <laughs> sound. This is true. That's what it should be called. Yep. <laughs> so Alex issues prime to slap the face of any assailant. Now Alex says what happens from that point on is a little hazy, but she distinctly remembers ending up as a member of a small mob of little kids determined to hunt down the mask-wearing <laughs> maniac armed with whatever weapons they had at hand. I just like uh, to take it. us back to this moment in time, and you just know there's like a like a um, a graphic design teacher or someone mm. like that, or like a like a grade six teacher. He's a bloke probably, right. or or a woman, but a very tired man or woman punching a dart, watching these kids <laughs> do this, just being like. 
Nah, nah, <laughs> <the> clock. Not, <laughs> tonight. Uh, not tonight. Not tonight. So, and you'll like you'll like this one, Sean. She remembers her friend Liana screaming across the camp, "Come out here, or I'll rip your dick off." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want that on a t-shirt. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Fuck. So Alex says the rest of the camp passed without incident. I'm he- so sorry, David. Yeah. She's got to write this as a book. This is a good little this adventure. Is, this is a good yeah. little story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> uh, but for years after, they all swore they'd see the man in the mask watching them, watching them and chased him away. So at some point, an epilogue in this story appeared in which they allegedly learned that someone, in fact, had been murdered on Phillip Island by someone wearing a hockey mask around the same time as their camp. Whoa. Wait, really? Yeah. So Alex says she has this vague memory of seeing this news report at some point. But she's about 99% sure it's just something that she entirely made up in her own head. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, this- yeah. <laughs> As she says, she hasn't looked into any hockey mask wearing killers prowling Philip Island, yeah. but she's pretty confident that would be more prominent in Aussie legend if it actually existed. We've got a real unreliable narrator going Very on unreliable. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so her story ends with her 24-year-old and her incredibly patchy memories from 14 years ago. She says she doesn't know what, if anything, she or anybody else saw at the camp that night, and it was almost certainly some combination of pranksters, mass hysteria, and the Mandela effect. But who knows? So Alex also says, now as a grown-up scaredy girl, she wants to thank us so much for this show. She says she's been a general Sandspace listener for years, but it was her sister who got her to listen to Scaredy Boys in particular, and she's now in the process of binging our entire back catalogue. What a champion. Legend. Legend sister. You Shout sister. out to sister. Yep. 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 Write, a, write a book. That's a yep. cool little adventure. Great, right yeah, yeah. great little characters. Call out, come out, or I'll rip your dick off. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so Alex also goes on to say she's always had a very strange relationship to media in general, but particularly horror and violence. She says she's had panic attacks for as long as she can remember when watching movies or shows where there was violent content. She says there was times she even had to move classes because the films they were assigned to watch or have a different film assigned to her. And she wants to give a shout out here to her year 11 literature teacher for letting her do Stand By Me instead of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> she also, That's a big pivot. Yeah. <laughs> she also says other times she would pretend to be asleep, but she says she's felt so seen whenever we or a guest mentioned reading Wikipedia articles for horror movies. <laughs> she generally loves the idea of horror and is a rabid true crime consumer, but has never managed to get past her panic attacks, even after years of therapy in real life anxiety aside she can actually be a big old brave babe alex says she's jumped out of a plane without blinking an eye she's a very high embarrassment threshold and she's generally a pretty tough cookie but for whatever reason it's always still just on-screen violence or even the threat of violence that brings her to her knees but she says thanks to us she's trying to be braver She's taking our advice and our recommendations along with her own tentative research and she's going to try and take more steps into the world of horror Brilliant. Welcome aboard. Great yeah. email. It's a great thing to be a cowardly custard. You're among very good people. Yeah. Some of the best people I know are cowardly custards. That's true. Some of the worst people I know I'm are I'm sitting with one of them custards. right now. <laughs> and I'm sitting with one of them right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're both me. <laughs> so she finishes by saying she's so appreciative of our show, not just for inspiring her to be brave, but also just because it's hilarious and so full of wholesome masculinity, it makes her want to cry. She says it's absolute gold. And she's grateful for every single episode. Oh, that that's made uh, my day. That's that is beautiful. awesome. I generally... To say this is wholesome masculinity is generally <laughs> a very high compliment. Thank you so uh, much, Alex. Yeah. I'm uh, not regretting doing this episode as much right now. No. That's very nice. Come around. Yep. Next one comes from Mark. Ah, and Mark says, starts by saying, my glasses off again. Boys, the time has finally come. Fuck. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much. Like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> this last one? No, we got two. Oh! <laughs> so he says, every time he hears one of our Scaredy Stories episodes, he thinks of a very specific story he heard many years ago. Yeah. Mark says this is a secondhand story, but one that has stayed with him. Also that he's changed the names of those involved for reasons that will become clear. <sighs> but the details are exactly as he heard them. The following story is based on true events. Only the people, <laughs> places, location, and events have been changed. <laughs> Thank you, Fargo. So over a decade ago, Mark found himself working at a church camp over the summer. It was his second year at the camp, but a few others were there on their third or fourth years. So one night over the weekend, Mark was sitting around a table with three or four other guys, none of whom were campers, telling ghost stories. He says it was common enough to squirm or say, whoa, once someone finished a story. However, one person in the group sat in silent stoicism the whole time. His name was Steve, and Steve would react to each of That's these stories <laughs> in largely the same manner. He would nod with an inquisitive look and say, hmm. So as the stories began to wane, someone asked Steve if he knew any stories. And Steve says, oh, sure, but nothing I can verify myself. But when someone else asked, have you ever had any experiences yourself? Steve sat back, looked at the ground, finally cleared his throat and said, just one. Steve's, uh, Steve's got the drama. <laughs> so Mark says Steve's the kind of person who doesn't waste words, that he says what he means and does all in his power to remain above reproach. He doesn't seek attention and would hate to know that this story is being told in a public way like this. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Steve won't know because he's changed Steve's name. Yeah. Steve's name is actually Stephen. Well, is Steve even <laughs> still alive? No, no, he, yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> oh, sorry, the, boy, the look on the boy's face just there. <laughs> I would have bashed you off. I would have flipped this table and killed you. <laughs> Good luck. I would have moved all the stuff that I like. Yeah. <laughs> So when pressed, Steve wouldn't say whether he considered this story a Jesus story, a Satan story, or a ghost story. All I know, he says, is what happened to me that night. So he took a few breaths, preparing himself to tell a story he hadn't spoken of for a long time, and then he began. So during Steve's first summer at the camp, there came a week with a record low number of campers enrolled. Some cabin leaders were chosen to work with campers that week, like normal, but the rest were given other duties. Because of the lack of campers, the cabin leaders without campers were assigned to sleep in empty cabins around the lake, two to a cabin. Each cabin had a specific room for the cabin leaders with a private restroom and a bunk bed. Steve was assigned to cabin 13 for the week with another cabin leader named Nick. The week went like normal. Nick took the bottom bunk, Steve was on top. Nothing happened out of the ordinary until one night. Steve awoke from a deep sleep, hearing someone's voice audible right next to the ear, and the voice said, Hey Steve. Still in a day, Steve turned around, assuming he'd find Nick, although he was unsure why Nick would be quite so close to his head. But what he saw instead was terrifying and beyond comprehension. An apparition of a man floating above the floor, his head lightly grazing the ceiling. Steve recognised him immediately as a friend from back home, whose name was Rob. And he was floating and staring directly into Steve's eyes with a ferocious intensity. Steve watched as Rob was enveloped by huge insects, which crawled up over his face and onto the ceiling. Mark says that Steve knew that what he was seeing was the most terrifying thing he could ever witness, but something was keeping the fear at bay, as if some supernatural force was holding the reins, forcing him to keep watching. Well, when the last of the insects crawled onto the ceiling, the vision of Rob vanished. Steve was alone again in the dark with a sleeping Nick on the bunk below. He stared at the digital red numbers on the alarm clock across the room, noting the exact time. He says he couldn't possibly get to sleep now, wondering whether or not he was in a dream. He decided to watch the clock to see if the time passed normally, and he stared at that clock for nearly two hours before falling back to sleep, but not before he heard another voice, this one not audible like before. It said, tomorrow you're going to question whether or not this happened, and when you do, remember this message, it will be the proof. In the morning, Steve and Nick got ready for the day in silence. As Steve began to replay the night's events in his memory, he began to feel the fear that had been absent the night before. Whatever had protected him then was now giving him full permission to feel the complete effect of the presence. So Steve and Nick left the cabin at the same time and began their walk around the lake without a word. When Steve could no longer bear it, he told Nick, I need to tell you something. Nick stopped him. He said, wait, before you do, there's something I need to tell you. Oh, Jesus Christ. Last night, I heard someone say something and I woke up facing the wall, but I could feel a presence in the room that wasn't human. I knew it was behind me and I was too afraid to turn around and face it, so I spent a few hours staring at the wall in fear. So Steve told Nick everything, and the two decided to be wise to speak with an adult leader of the camp about the events. The man with whom they spoke had no idea of what to make of the events. This is... I would not have told an adult this. <laughs> then I'd been like, hey, Nick, crack open your egg, chuck it in. We never speak of this again. Lock it away. Also, we should try to sneak some girls into our cabin. 
This is my immediate thought was, fuck yeah, girls in your cabin, that's, fuck, that's what camp's about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so angry at Steve and Nick. <laughs> or guys in your cabin, whatever. That's when you mess around. Yeah. Cabin to yourselves, fooling around. <laughs> so the person they told uh, suggested that Steve pray about what to do. Remember, this was a church. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and so... Steve supposed that Rob, the friend... Oh, sorry, I love that as just like a, any problem that gets brought to you. Have, yeah, well, I think you should pray about you it. You should pray on it. Pray it away. Pray, pray yeah. on it and see what the Lord says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I don't like got an answer for the it. ultimate handoff of like, oh, that's... Because I'm going to go drink a beer. Yeah, I'm going to have a beer. Make that Jesus' it's problem, like, hey, actually. God. <laughs> Hospital hand pass. So Steve eventually decides that he should probably let Rob know the person he had the dream about that he saw floating in his room. Sure. However, he urged the cabin leaders not to spread the story. The last thing the camp needed was to be gripped in by fear for the rest of the summer. So after some time, Steve confirms for himself, yeah, he's going to tell Rob. And when he did so, Rob simply said, thank you, and left it at that. <laughs> so Steve didn't know whether Rob believed him or not, but as far as Steve was concerned, he'd done what he needed yep. to do in that situation. The rest of the summer passes in peace without so much as a rumour of any other sort of supernatural encounter. Steve even said that enough time had passed, at least a year or two, that he'd basically kind of forgotten about the experience. However, a day then came when he received a call from Rob. And Rob says, do you remember that story you told me, that thing you saw in the cabin, me, the bugs, all that sort of stuff? Steve says, yeah, I remember. He goes, cool. Well, I just wanted to thank you again for telling me. I finally know what it means, and I want to assure you that it's been taken care of. What the fuck? And that's it. That's it. Oh. What the fuck? That's all the info we've That's got. a fucking cooker. That's a cooker. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know the thing you told me like 10 years ago? Yeah, thanks. I took care of it. <sighs> yeah. So that's Mark's story via Steve. <sighs> well, that'll do. That'll do. And one last uh, little treat for the boys. We pay him too much. <laughs> so the last one comes from Kara, who says, Hello, scaredy boys, and says that she was introduced to our podcast thanks to her boyfriend, who's been telling her she should type this email up ever since. So she hopes we enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Time will tell. So Kara starts by saying that she's been a scaredy brave babe basically her entire life. In that she's always loved to hate horror movies. She's scaredy brave babe. She's both, right? She gets terrified of them and has nightmares from them, but just can't help but always watch more. <laughs> Cara, you're a maniac. We do understand you, Cara. <laughs> Sorry, mate. We are firmly <laughs> I, I, I respect it, though, to be yeah. like, this ruined my life. I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> Jesus. So she says maybe some of this shit is just in her head because of how much horror content she's injected into her brain, but she likes to think that it's not. So to start, Kyra says she grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, in the States. She has two sisters, she's the youngest, and they all have had some weird shit happen to them. And when she was a kid, she remembers some pretty fucked things happening in her house. For example, a bookshelf almost fell on her eldest sister, but stopped midair with just enough time for her mum to pull her out from under it. So maybe a nice ghost, she says. All right. Yeah. It stopped midair. Midair. Wild. She says she also remembers walking to her bedroom to see her middle sister playing with a ball by herself. And Kyra says she doesn't mean against the wall, but that she was rolling it to the middle of the room and then it was rolling back. Uh, great. That's absolutely fucked. Shut, yeah. shut your computer down. <laughs> Kara never email us again. <laughs> so Sean's Kara, taking off his glasses. <laughs> the glasses have gone temporarily back on. They're off again. <laughs> so Kara says, you know, typical haunted house bullshit. She also says one thing that really freaked her out was her sister telling her that she doesn't like the angels. And Kara says her mum had a number of, number of angel statues that had been falling and breaking recently all around the house. So she didn't like hearing that at all. That's fair enough. And Kara says you can argue that the statue business was maybe her sister doing it. But Kara herself witnessed one fall without anything touching at once, and so she was never completely sure. She says not much else happened in that house, and they moved out by the time she was about seven or eight. She also says that house no longer exists, was bulldozed, and is now the location of a few small businesses that are... They're for sure haunted. haunted yeah. Come to Lenny's kebab. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely go straight for kebab. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kara says it was in the second house that things really started to get a bit fucked. So, the first few years there, she doesn't remember much. She but does include that they stayed there when Hurricane Katrina hit. She says <sighs> things were pretty rough then, but it was when she got older that things really started hitting the fan. She would hear things like whispering and creaking, and she would see shadows move and feel the overwhelming horror that someone was watching her. And Kara says this was worsened when she stayed home alone, which turns out she did a lot. But she points out it could just be those home alone jitters, but she also says there were multiple times she would see someone go into her parents' room across the hall and call her name, even though she knew she was home alone. 
sighing in stereo. Yeah. <laughs> so one time she thought she saw her dad go into his room. He was home at the time, she notes. And he called out to her, so she got up to see what he wanted. Except when she went in there, he wasn't there. So she started calling out for him, but nothing. Didn't hear back from him. So finally she searches the whole house, but could not find him. Finally she goes out into the backyard, and there he is cutting grass. And her dad said he'd been out there for a while. He'd never called out to her. So Kara asked her sisters at this point if they'd noticed anything weird as well. And they reported that they'd been having the same sorts of experiences, where they would see someone enter their parents' room and call out to them whenever no one was home. Then they would begin to hear knocking in the walls at night sometimes, and would also sometimes would go outside when she was home alone just because she couldn't stand the feeling of not being completely alone and that someone was watching her. She also says sometimes she would see someone standing in the hall at night just staring at her. That's fucked. That's bad. It wouldn't move. It would just stand there looking at her. Mm. Then there would also be moments in the house where it just felt like everything was moving just ever so slightly too fast. Like someone had hit fast forward. So I've experienced that. Oh, interesting. Like some when I used to work at the pool, sometimes I'd get the feeling that everyone was talking a little bit faster and I was moving faster oh, through I don't time. Like, I don't like that, man. I don't know, but I don't know if that's a ghost or if that's just like a weird, your brain's just playing tricks on you type thing. Right. You need yeah. some more water or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Chlorine, fumes. Yeah, right. Do we need to get Have you ever of, had that before? Do we need to get rid of this guy? We need to get his egg checked out. That's for damn sure. You never had that experience? No. Yeah. It's like you perceive that the world's not moving a bit quicker than you. Maybe he's got a full carton of eggs. Is it? Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I, so you talk about what cracks your egg, Sean. Mm. And Tom is like, no, I've got amazing memory, blah, blah, blah. I think his egg is so buried down deep. I'm he worried doesn't about even his know. Egg. Yeah, I'm very, very concerned about his egg. I don't egg. have an egg. See, <laughs> that's the problem right there. Yeah, you're full of shit, mate. You've got an egg. We've all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am worried about the, the, I think, egg, the egg farm. Yeah, you're like the alien. There is like hundreds, thousands of eggs spawned in there. Yeah. Someone's going to tip me off one day and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. I had a friend who was about four inches off the ground and wore a big black coat called Tallboy. <laughs> oh. Someone's just going to say a little code word like peaches and you're just going to go. Oh, there he goes. <laughs> all the eggs. And yolk will just start coming <laughs> out of his ears. Out of you, yeah. <laughs> and I start to scream. And I never stop. Oh, fuck. Walk into the ocean and scream. Screaming mm. the whole way. Yeah. Yeah. And we never saw him again. So Kara says she wishes she could say they got the fuck out of that house, but. In fact, her parents still live there to that very day. Of course. She also says she wishes she could say this is the end of the scariest story, but there is one more. No! This one happened while Kara was was living in Nova Scotia in Canada. Oh, that just, that's haunted. And she says she went to see Get Out in the theatres with her then partner at the time. She says they're excited to find an empty theatre waiting for them when they went in and they found their seats. However, moments later, she noticed this old lady come in and sit towards the back. Hated. So she turns to her then partner and goes, ah... Guess would have been too good. Guess it's too good to be true. Yeah, they you know, nearly the had perfection. The they nearly had yeah. it. Yeah, had perfection. I had that for John McFour. It's marvelous. He told me live the dream, and sort of while she's saying this, she's sort of nodding her head back to the lady. So he looked back to where she'd nodded and asked, "What do you mean? <sighs> what do you mean? No." The guy says, "That little old lady that just came in." He stared at her, still confused, and says, "There's no one there." Ah. <sighs> so Kara looked back, thinking she must have left except no sure enough there she still is in her yellow coat sitting in the back corner so she looked at her then partner with a kind of ah uh, yeah very funny ah uh, watching a horror movie face, you're a dickhead thinking yep he's trying to fuck with her so she says to him yeah sure you totally don't see the little lady in the back and he replied I'm not fucking with you there is no one there so that's when Kara starts to get a little bit scared take a photo but then she figured take a photo whatever take a photo it's in your head she's probably just crazy she's actually very calm about the fact maybe she's crazy no take a photo so they watched the movie and the woman never left she just sat there the whole time in her little yellow coat Mm -hmm. so then the movie Kara got up and went to go to the bathroom and she says of course the worst thing that could possibly happen happens the woman got up too Kara took a deep breath thinks just walk to the bathroom maybe whatever it's a coincidence she went in, did her business, and as she was washing her hands, the door opened. She looked up and froze. It was her. She walked in, walked behind Kyra, and just stood there. Oh, this is this is fucked. Turn around, break that old lady's ghost neck. Yeah, headbutter. I think uppercut to the nose. Yeah. Kyra says at that point she was trying her best just to not look even in the mirror at all. Whatever the fuck this woman is doing, she doesn't want to know. Eventually, she forced herself to finish and leave. So she told her partner what happened, and he replied that it was probably nothing. But she kind of was curious, you know, so she waited, watching the bathroom for a bit, wanting to see if the old woman came out. After too long, the boyfriend finally said, let's go, and pulled her away, and they left. 
Sakara also says that she still has weird things happen to her no matter where she lives, and that at this point she can't figure out if maybe she's haunted or just fucking crazy. <sighs> she, I mean, she's probably haunted. That, that one's the worst. Yeah. Is, that, is that the end? Uh, a little bit more. Last of the scary stories, a little bit more. She tells us that she now lives in Maine in the States in an apartment with her wonderful boyfriend, Owen. So shout out to Owen. He's the one who introduced her to this wonderful podcast. Uh, you know what? I don't want to shout out to Owen. Shout out to Owen. Because if Owen never tells Kara, Kara never emails us. Good on you, Owen, mate. And I never learn about the woman in yellow. Thank good, you. Good on you, Owen. Thank you for sharing the podcast. Yep. Owen also says that he himself has heard some pretty fuck stuff in their apartment lately. Voices calling out to him at night when Kara is very clearly asleep, breathing in his ear, weird noises. Kara also says she's noticed things here and there, but at this point, she tries just not to think about it. Kara, do you want a painting? <laughs> I think she is a painting. She's the living yeah, crying, she's the boy. crying boy. Yeah. So Kara says she hopes we enjoyed the fucked bullshit that seems to be her life and that she loves us and has listened to every episode and watches every movie when she can. She also says she looks forward to listening every Friday now. However, she also says she's still not sure which Patreon she belongs in as she is scared and brave all in one. Just I mean, change, change every month. <laughs> I, I, brave babe. If you've lived through all that shit, yeah, and haven't gone like, sound brave to me. Throwing yeah. yourself in the ocean the way Tom will, yeah, brave babe all the way. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, fuck. Thank you though. Yeah, big thanks. Yeah, yeah. Big That's thanks. Massive Juicy thanks. Stuff. I didn't hear a thank you from Tom in character. <laughs> oh, sorry. Thank you very much. Kyle. Hey, well, oh, that's what it sounds like. So he does know how to well, say. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, I, I say thank you when people do something. Good yeah. For me. yeah. Can you edit that and put our names like he says thank you and then yeah, Sean yeah. Damo. I can, just yeah. just yeah. like thank you Sean and Damo. <laughs> <laughs> like very clearly taken from yeah, a different yeah, mark. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna forge my own card from him, <laughs> <laughs> complete with digital anthrax. <laughs> of course. So that's it. That's our scary stories for another time. We've got plenty more. There's a few sitting in the inbox oh, ready yeah, to go. Cool. So, keep sending them in. Yeah, great, yeah. So, yeah, for the listeners, please do keep sending them in. Yeah. Uh, we do we do appreciate it. Yeah. Especially ones like Alex. Yeah, the, yeah. the nice ones. Yeah. <laughs> Rip your dick off. I was thinking about that through all the the two stories you told us. <laughs> was it giving after. you strength? Yeah, it made me giggle. Yeah, good. Yeah. I'm glad, man. I'm glad. There you go. Give At one point, I lost where I was in one of your stories because I was thinking about Rip Your Dick Off. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, big thanks to everyone for sharing your stories and big thanks to our patrons for subscribing. Honestly, we get to keep making this show and keep having fun with all this stuff because of you guys. So yeah, huge thanks. Truly, truly. Yes. You keep the podcast alive. Uh, on which, if anyone out there would like to join and become a patron, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash scary boys. Like I said, it really does help as our live keeps the show afloat. Plus the benefits for you is a crazy amount of bonus episodes. Literally double the amount of episodes you're currently getting. It's too much. It's a lot of beef. Beefiest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Truly. Uh, and otherwise, if you'd also like to help us out, you can leave a review wherever you listen, as that, like I said, does help quite a lot. And you know what? Makes us feel pretty damn special. And if you'd like to send us a scaredy story, you can do so at 3 at gmail.com. Or otherwise, you can find us on Instagram at Scaredy Boys Podcast or on Twitter at Scaredy Boys. Individually, I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. I'm at Olka Trade. Stay scared, everyone. God, you have to buy so many dildos to clear that out. <laughs>